Do you think you may have a problem with your alcohol consumption or drug use? Are you thinking about quitting and want to know what all the sober hype is about? Are you in recovery and chose to tune in for some inspiration? Whatever the reason, I'm so grateful you are here with me today. My name is Sarah, and I am the creator and host of this podcast. I spent most of my life drinking, and eventually I realized how alcohol was negatively impacting my life in many ways. One day at the age of 39, I decided I was sick and tired of feeling sick and tired, and I reached out for help. I have been sober since 2012, and it has changed my life in ways I never imagined. I am so happy that I got the chance to live a more comfortable life, free of the chains of addiction. Today, my life just keeps getting better. Sober Gratitudes was born out of the desire to recover out loud so that others could see the hope in sobriety. In each episode, I speak with a recovered alcoholic or addict who shares how their life changed for the better after they got sober. I welcome you to subscribe to my podcast to hear these amazing stories of people from all walks of life. They too want to share in this mission to help others and to end stigmas of addiction. I promise you, you will be inspired. Whether you have been here before or you were a first-time listener, I would be so grateful if you would take a minute to write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show so that it can reach more people who may be struggling. You can also reach me at sobergratitudes at gmail.com with any questions or comments. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again for dropping in today and welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah, and I'm the host of this podcast. Whether you have been here before or you're here for the very first time, I'm so glad you stopped in. Today, we have an awesome episode with a very enthusiastic and sober mom named Gentry. For those of you who follow her on Instagram on her account called Life with Gentry, you already know she is such a positive and enthusiastic presence on social media while also being honest, raw, and real. You can also find her on her Twitter account called Life with Gentry, as well as her website called lifewithgentry.com. She shines a light on the truth of addiction and the challenges that come with getting sober. I know you will be inspired by what you hear. So without further ado, welcome Gentry. Hi, Gentry. Welcome to Sober Gratitudes. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. What's the weather like where you're at? Um, so we've had some stormy weather the last couple nights. And so um, we, my, I have my boys every other weekend and I don't have them this weekend. So we had just, uh, my friend had just purchased a camper. So we're having a little staycation out in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's kind of fun. <laughs> awesome. And it was kind of fun with the rain coming down. I mean, you got to, got to hear it loud when you're in a camper. So. that's our weather right now oh so they don't they're not afraid of like the rain or like loud storms no like my well my boys love it like the other night or two nights ago there was like lightning it was super super bright it was just um and they we like opened the blinds at like three in the morning to watch the lightning (laughs) because I was like look at that one (laughs) it was fun oh that's awesome my kids are terrified well my youngest now my older two were but not anymore but my youngest like flies into bed with us the thunderstorms, yeah. so I don't mind. I'm like, come, you know, snuggle because it's snuggling. Yeah. Well, they did stay over. in my bed after that, but they. So, what's the weather like there? You're in New New Jersey, Jersey. New Jersey yeah. Yeah. So it's gorgeous today. I took a picture of the sky. It's like it's you can't get any bluer. It's just mm-hmm. unbel- so I've like I've had some interviews today, so I'm outside, you know, in between interviews and like helping out doing yard work and you know, Mm -hmm. doing all that stuff. So it's, it's just, it's like a California day because there's no humidity. I don't know if, do you get a lot of humidity? We, no, we have a, most of the time it's pretty dry where we're at. So we don't have a ton of humidity. We're, so I'm in Washington and in Seattle, um, like Seattle always has kind of a lot of rain. Like it's known for its rain. Well, I'm in the like central part of Washington. So we're a lot more deserty. So we have like it's wine country here and we have apple orchards and a different orchards and stuff but we definitely are a lot hotter here and a lot more dry heat than it is in Seattle okay yeah is that, is that really uncomfortable with that like even without humidity can it get like- I feel like well I'm used to it like we so I, I I 
prefer it. Like, I feel like I can't breathe when it's like super humid. We went to Florida for like a softball tournament when I was younger yeah. and I like couldn't breathe. I felt like it was, I was like heavy, like it was weighting me down to have so much humidity. But um, yeah, so I, I don't, I'm used to it. I mean, I like the dry heat, but but yeah. I know it's different for everyone. Yeah, it is. So, okay. So let's get talking about sobriety and I want to hear your story. So excited. What, what was life like for you before you got sober? Like, when did you start drinking when, or like, what is your drug of choice? All that. Um, so my drug of choice was always alcohol. I did, um, experiment with other drugs, uh, just, being in that circle, um, cocaine used to keep me drunk longer because it would keep me awake. It kind of sobered me up so I can continue drinking. So I did like dabble in that and I did definitely like cocaine, but it wasn't really because I liked the effects of cocaine. I liked that it was uh, extending my alcohol, like it was letting me drink longer. So alcohol was really always kind of my main drug of choice. And being um, kind of like a uh, people pleaser, wanting to be accepted socially, socially, alcohol is extremely accepted, like cocaine is not. So, so I, I felt very comfortable with the excuse of continuing to drink because it was in the movies, it was on media, it was, um, it, it was a part of the college culture to be drinking. So um, it felt safe. It felt like I had an excuse to drink. Um, I started drinking when I was in high school, but I was also really heavy in like activities in high school. So I was a, um, I played volleyball, I played basketball, I played fast pitch. I did ASB. I was in different clubs. I was uh, extremely involved in the school, but I, and then like kind of had this side of me that would be like sneaking out around to party on the weekends. Um, because I liked the checkout and I learned very quickly that I liked the checkout. And I think I learned very quickly that the way I liked the checkout wasn't totally normal. Like I think by the time I was in college, um, I would get so drunk, like so quick, like not so quickly, but in when I was, when I went into college, I loved the party scene so much that I would be becoming blacked out drunk, very like, quickly and very regularly I guess more is not quickly because I, I mean I would have to drink the same amount as anybody else but um it was a became a regular occurrence to be extremely intoxicated um and I loved that like checkout that was a, I think that I really related to that right away but I also realized like other people weren't doing that like I thought college was about everybody just getting blacked out drunk I thought college was about whatever and I and I loved that idea that it was going to be socially acceptable to do this but then once I did it I hated the way I felt like the next morning I felt awful I felt depressed I felt like I would overeat I mean like because when I'm drunk <laughs> then you go and you eat all this fast food and it was funny and when whatever and acceptable but then I like hated the way I felt I hated that I didn't get my homework done I hated that um I was gaining weight I hated that I was making poor decisions when I was drunk and I thought if if this is what college is about why do people continue to do it because this isn't really that fun like I'm doing it and I'm living this college mentality, this college life, but it's really not that fun. And then I started to kind of connect that like, not everybody's going out and getting drunk like that. Like not everybody's, everybody's getting blacked out. Not everybody's having to puke in the bathroom. Um, it's like, I, I learned that, that when alcohol came into my body, it was a completely different experience than when it came into other people's body, they could have a couple beers and watch and get the game and then be like, okay, I'm good and be done. And there was never, I'm okay, I'm good. Unless I was like trying so, so hard to be good. It was a, it was a effort and it was difficult <laughs> to like stay yeah. in a, just a buzz mindset. I always had to go full blown 
like drunk you're you're nodding like you, un- you understand yes, I totally yes. I'm like <laughs> I, I feel you that's exactly yeah. what I did too yeah I couldn't stop I'm like end <laughs> I'm not ending <laughs> oh yeah and I would just go like completely like okay well we're just gonna have a few drinks and then we got to get up early and I would just be like well let's just keep drinking until we have to get up <laughs> like there was just no stop at ever um and so I did end up putting myself in a rehab treatment at 21 I was six months into being 21. And I was just kind of like, I'm done. I don't want to do this. I want to, I wanted to travel. I really wanted to travel, but I was afraid to go into other countries and end up getting blacked out drunken and something bad happening, like getting arrested in another country or, or just getting kidnapped or something. And, you know, you hear all these horror stories. So it's like, I can't, I have to be able to be more responsible. I didn't trust myself uh, in my own country, in my own environment. So I wasn't gonna be able to trust myself somewhere else. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get sober. Um, I ended up going to a treatment. Um, I got sober for a couple months. Well, then I got pregnant though with my first son. Um, it wasn't a healthy relationship because I kind of traded my addiction for that checkout with, I, I think I have like a variety of addiction issues. It's not just alcohol. <laughs> um, I have relationship addiction issues. I have food, bin- I binge on food when I'm stressed out. Um, I binge on exercise when I'm stressed out. I, I, I have this kind of this binge. Well, I kind of binge on this relationship. Um, and then I ended up getting pregnant with my first son. I ended up moving home to my hometown because I was living over in the Seattle area at the time. Um, and I started like kind of getting back together with my, 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 my life back together. I started going to school again. Um, I was feeling more confident in like my, I was maturing that I could like, um, I was on the right path. And then I felt that I probably would be okay to start drinking again because I now am a mom. I'm a couple years older. Um, I'm back in my hometown where alcohol is extremely socially acceptable, which I think alcohol is socially acceptable anywhere, but the friends that I have in this town are very, or they, or I did have in this town were very, um, that alcohol was socially acceptable. Um, so I continue drinking or I start drinking again. Um, I reconnect with my high school sweetheart and, uh, we actually, we went to school together K through 12 and in first grade, I chased him down on the playground and asked him to be my boyfriend (laughs) and and he said no (laughs) but then we got together in high school um and we dated for five years off and on and then um then we got back together I had my after I had my son my first son and it was kind of like things were falling into place I'm back with somebody I was extremely comfortable with um we he accepts my oldest son as his own um I'm in school and I'm drinking again, and I'm not getting out of control every single time. My thinking process around alcohol was still the same, where I was having to work really hard to not get out of control, where I was, um, I still did get out of control, just wasn't as often. Um, but I, I thought I was managing it at that point. And I think I, I was managing it. Because I think that people think like, oh, you can't manage it if you're alcoholic. It's like, no, you can. It's just really freaking hard. <laughs> like I was constant, like constantly having to remind myself, like, okay, you can't get out of control. You can't go. And then I would, and then I would go through like the, the, the stages of like feeling guilty and shame and all that. And I, and I could stay sober for a short period of time before I would fall back into that again. Um, but it was never a healthy drinking pattern. It just was managed a little bit where it didn't become as obvious to other people. Um, so we get married, we have, um, another son and after we had the second son, um, I was nursing and I had quit nursing. I think my son was about eight months old. I had just quit nursing and, or maybe nine months. I think I made it nine months with him, but (laughs) that doesn't matter. Um, but I was, I had just decided to quit nursing with him. And so we had gone out and I drank and then drove home and got arrested for a DUI. So once that happened, it was kind of like, okay, I have to either convince people that this was a rare occasion. I'm not that bad of a drinker, like kind of this, like, I can't believe that would happen. 
or I kind of have to admit that I have an issue because it's like, it kind of brought a, a red flag to my drinking. Like if I think that there's situations where people get pulled over for a DUI and it really is that like completely random, like they never drink and drive. They were barely buzzed and it happens. I'm, and I, so not to downplay like accidental <laughs> drinking and driving, but most of the time, and anyway, even in those situations, you were drinking and driving, you deserve any circum any punishments that you get. Like you put yourself at risk, you got arrested. Um, but I had spoke with a law enforcement officer that arrested me because I was, I wasn't just drunk driving. I was like wasted, blacked out drunk driving. And I had asked to speak to the arresting officer to apologize for my behavior because I was just being completely ridiculous and crying and um, whatever. And she was like, um, explained to me like different things, like just kind of educated me on DUIs and stuff and was saying that like one that for every DUI arrest that somebody has, they've already drove drunk like 66 times before they get caught. I think it was, I'm pretty sure 66 times, but it was just like how many times people drink and drive before they actually get caught. And I was thinking in my head, like that's on average, it's 66 times before they're getting caught. So I know that I probably drank and then drove more than 66 times and not, not always blacked out drunk, but it's like, that was something in college and but where it wasn't a big deal just to have a couple beers and drive home. And, um, so it was kind of like, okay, well, if, if I can go to treatment, if I can really get serious about this, like this might be an opportunity for me to get sober. So I did the outpatient stuff. I took it fairly serious. Um, and the court saw that I was taking it serious and, and, and I know there's a lot of going on right now about uh, like the white privilege and all that stuff. And, I did, and as I'm looking back now, I'm realizing how that did play into my situation too in that arrest because I went into court um, and I went in and I think the way you handle yourself in court too is really important, but I went into court and I didn't say like, um, I, I didn't, I didn't argue anything that they said. I said, I drank and drove and I'm so sorry. I had just quit nursing. It was my first time going out since quitting nursing. I apologize. I signed myself up for the classes right away. I um, started doing, uh, I put the breathalyzer in my car right away. So I did all these things to, to appear very, very apologetic to the court because I really, I truly was apologetic to the court, but I also had education on how to do that. I also had um, of a, a white privileged, um, appearance and background and whatever that I think that, it, that it came across very, um, it came across very well for the courts. And I don't think everybody would have the opportunities I had in that situation for as high as I blew, I think I blew a 0.235. So they were just baiting if they were going to take me to the hospital or if they were going to take me to jail, they didn't even take me to jail. They actually took me and booked me and uh or, and like did all the paperwork and then drove me home it's like most people don't get driven home but i was also like crying and apologetic at this but it doesn't i think that like i got special treatment because of um how upset i was about the whole thing but it's just the it's just like i don't think you can say for sure that's like the situation but i just something i wanted to point out that i did get kind of a lesser um, punishments. I was able to do community service with my dad's um, basketball program, um, which I loved doing. I mean, everything I was doing was 100% sincere. Um, but it, you start to think like, okay, was that white privilege or was it not? Or, and, and I do think it played a role. I'm glad but you I, brought that up. I just want to okay. just interject real quick, Gentry. Okay. We, are, we are in this kind of second I don't know, pandemic of, of the, um, the, the racial shit that's going on, you know, it's just right. so, it's just so huge. And, and I'm really glad you brought that up because I think for sure, if you were not a white woman and, uh, somebody of color did the same exact thing that you did, they would probably not. I mean, I think, would you agree that you, you would? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I the, the punishment I got with being able to do, I didn't have to do a night in jail. They let me do extra community service. I mean, this is all things I requested and stuff too. So I think 
but but um yeah i definitely think that that there might be people that like request this and they're like oh you're just trying to get out of a night in jail yeah. it's like well yeah like <laughs> but it wouldn't get come across as like oh she can like that's great that she's able to work with the community the way i it came across when i asked to do more community service so um yeah i definitely think it played a role yeah, that's important to acknowledge, I think, right now. And, you know, because it's just such a hot topic right now. And anyway, but um, I'm glad you brought that up because that is important to acknowledge. But anyway, so you, so this, this experience, was this the experience that got you to? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be. It was supposed, it was supposed to be, okay. to be the, the time that I was done. Um, but but my, I think what's something I want to point out with this part too is, is that I did get off so easy. I did get, um, I worked the system to my advantage and as, as sincerely as I was doing it in the time, my alcoholic thinking was like, that wasn't so bad. Like I kind of got away with some of it. I kind of got away with, they kind of co-signed my bullshit. They kind of co-signed that I could I could outsmart this stuff. Um, so as I appreciated it and it saved me money and I, I appreciated getting to work with the kids I got to work with, all of it was extremely sincere, but it also co-signed my bullshit. Right. And I think that giving, whether it was white privilege or not, but giving me breaks on stuff also didn't help me fully learn my lesson. Um, and so I took it very serious. I did get sober. I was sober for about five or six months. Um, and then I started drinking again and I just figured as long as it's not driving, then I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Like if I can just stay out of the car, um, then I can drink and I, everything will be okay. But, um, I continued to, I kind of started the cycle over again after I had my first son where I kind of was like working really, really hard to stay not at, not, um, becoming a shit show every single time I drink. So I was doing the same thing with, after this DUI situation where, um, I can continue to, um, do little bits of things. And, and as long as I planned, to go somewhere as long as my kids weren't around it would be okay like as long as I had a ride home set up it would be okay so I kind of just started being more um premeditative with my drinking so that I could prepare if I did get out of control um and it was just it was this whole time this whole time I'm just thinking I can outsmart this <laughs> like the, it was like I'm I come from, I had a good upbringing. I was active in the community. My parents are both teachers. Like there's no reason that I cannot outsmart this. Like um, it didn't seem right that I would have an alcohol problem. It didn't seem fair, like in a way to me that I had an alcohol problem. It's like that, I'm not that person. I'm not the person that does drugs. I'm not the person that should be having these problems. Um, so, so there's something wrong with me that I need to figure out so that I can be a social drinker. It was never, it was a lot of it was never the thought of like, I just need to refrain from drinking. It was like, there's something I need to fix so that I can figure out how to become a social drinker. Right. And it's like normal drinkers don't go through that whole like <laughs> thought process. Like you had like this extravagant plan, like, <laughs> you know, yes. like this is like step-by-step, step, like I am project managing how I'm going to come drinking. Like normal drinkers don't have to think that way. So, right. so anyway. It's like, it's, and it's funny because if you think like if somebody's having like cake and you're um, like, do you want a piece of cake? And sometimes you want one and sometimes you don't. Like that's how I kind of feel normal drinkers are with alcohol. Like sometimes I like, like if there was alcohol, it was like, I want it, but I don't want to act like I want it. I don't want people to know that I want it. I'm going to like, it, where, where like, where if somebody offered me a piece of cake, it's like, oh yeah, that sounds good right now. It's like, that's how normal people's are about, people are about alcohol. Like, do you want a beer? Oh yeah, that's not, I'll try, I'll have a beer right now. Okay, I'll have two. I'm feeling, and then, and then they're done. Like, like right. yeah. 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 Like my husband, like I'd be like two sheets to the wind and like 
he'd come home from work and I'd be like handing him a beer on Tuesday night. And he's like, what? Like, why are you giving me this? And I'd be totally plastered because I didn't want to be drunk alone. You yeah. Know? So I wanted him to join me. We were just talking about it the other night. He was like, yeah, I was always like, why are you, you hand me like a, like a six pack every time I come home from work. Cause like, I didn't know. I'm like, I didn't want to be alone. You know, yeah, I, didn't misery to be company. I mean, we wanted to justify what we were doing. So we wanted other people involved. And that was, that was really unhealthy with, with my ex-husband, mm-hmm. uh, my, that, that the boys' dad, because uh, I mean, I love him and I respect him and he's a great dad, but we were very codependent on each other where we, um, we didn't really want to, we loved each other and we almost loved each other in a, um, unhealthy way where we didn't want to call each other out on that kind of stuff. So like I would be doing, being two cheeks to the wind and just being a complete piece of crap. And he didn't, he knew that I felt bad about it. He knew that I was going to beat myself up about it. And he kind of didn't give me any consequences for doing that because he knew that I was going to punish myself, which was very kind, but it also continued the pattern. So, I mean, codependency is so, so difficult to, to, to manage in this situation because you don't, you don't want to say the wrong thing to the alcoholic. You don't want to do the wrong thing for the alcoholic. They're going to blame you no matter what you do or say. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I used to set him up in a way to where I was trying to quit drinking and I would be like, it's fine. You can have alcohol in the house. Like if you want to keep drinking, it's fine. And then sooner or later, once I gave in to drinking one of his beers, it was like, well, you brought alcohol in the house. So it's, it's like, um, it's, it's codependency is, is, a huge part of alcoholism that um maybe not addressed enough sometimes because we I needed somebody that was going to co-sign my bullshit the same way I mean I was saying how the court system did I needed somebody next to me that was going to keep co-signing what I was doing um and and that's what and I did for him I mean there's things he got away with because I would didn't I didn't want to say anything to him because then I'd have to address my own. Right, right. So you weren't ready to get sober then. So no. what was it? Well, tell me the final straw. <laughs> um, okay, so then, oh man. So then, so then I, um, that, so the DUI happened. Sorry, I don't know how much time we got here. Uh, so the DUI happened. Um, and then I go to, let's see, my kids are a little bit older. Um, and um, I had the summer of 2016 was probably my, it was a really bad summer. It wasn't my worst summer, um, but it was a really bad summer. Like drinking wise? Yes. Yeah. So we were, I was drinking heavily. Um, and it was kind of like, I kind of stopped even trying to control it. Um, I was now drinking nightly where before it was kind of like I would wait till Thursday like Thursday nights for a long time was kind of like my anxiety like am I going to start tonight am I going to wait till the weekend like um so Thursdays were for a long time my like trigger night or trigger day because I was like feeling better from the the hangover from the weekend was over um but then it started to be like that in 2016 I was drinking pretty much daily um I was drinking um where I would, as soon as I got home from work, I would take like a shot of vodka and then, then make a drink. Um, because I was just like, I was so ready to start the buzz. Um, so that, that, that summer was bad. And then at the end of that summer, I was like, I have to do something. Well, I found out I was pregnant. (laughs) So now I'm pregnant again. And the other two times pregnancy saved me for a while. So this was kind of a relief is even though it was scary because we weren't really like totally planning. Um, then I find out they're pregnant with twins. Wow. So, okay. so then it was like, okay, well this, I'm like, I'm going from two kids to four kids. I got to get my shit together. I can't keep doing this. Like I'm going to have two babies in diapers. Cause we just got the other boy out of diapers. Um, and so I was took 2000 or this pregnancy extremely serious. I was like, okay, I'm going to quit drinking. Like this has to be the last thing. Like I I'm given this nine months of sobriety jumpstart. And, um, I really encouraged my husband at the time to quit with me and he is not a binge drinker. Like I am, I'm, um, he just is, he's just a drinker, but it was extremely difficult for me to be around it. So I, I really needed him to come with me. 
And there was times where I went back and forth of like, is that selfish for me to request him to be sober because I can't drink? And, and I battled that. Like, am I being selfish by forcing him to be sober because I have an issue? And I think at this point in my life, I will not date somebody who drinks. And you, if you drew, if you are not alcoholic and you have a beer with your friends occasionally, that's fine. I don't even like, it needs to be far away from me. Like I decided I do not want that in my house. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's selfish because I, at this point, I will die if I start drinking again. And so I don't want to be in a relationship where that's important to you. If that's important to you, then that's fine. You can like, um, and I think that if you had a partner who had lung cancer, you wouldn't sit there and smoke in front of them. So um, not to say that he did anything wrong in in that situation. I mean, like I, I, like I said, I set him up to fail a lot of times too for my own um, fallback. But I think that it's not selfish to ask your partner to quit drinking if it's, if it's a problem for you, because if your life is more important than their buzz and that if that's selfish, then you guys shouldn't be together is kind of, and, and, and some people can handle it. And, and some people are totally comfortable with their partners still drinking and, and that, and that's respectable too. For me, it wasn't, I couldn't do it. And I continue to fall back into that pattern. So I had to choose my life over um, over our relationship, basically. <laughs> um, so, so we're going, sorry, back to the twins though. I, so I had the twins. Um, I started drinking again fairly quickly after having the twins because it was in the house. How I said, I set him up for fit to failure. I would through the pregnancy, I would ask him to quit. He wouldn't. It's like, okay, fine. I guess you're just going to keep drinking. Um, it was in the house. I drank with him and then I got really out of control a couple weeks after having the twins. Um, 2017 summer was probably my worst summer and I had twin infants. So I'm extremely thankful that nothing bad happened that summer, um, that I had a lot of family and, uh, support system around me to kind of help protect them during that time. And nobody was fully calling me out on my bullshit during it, but they were definitely, checking in to protect my kids and making sure that the kids were taken care of. Um, cause it's, I was a binge drinker, like I explained. So it's like, I could go a week or two. Um, but then once I was in my binge, it, it was going to be a couple days till I was completely out of it. I kind of just kept going, um, until I was so sick, I couldn't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. And so in summer of 2017, I started going to counseling, um, for postpartum, I kind of went to the doctor like it was postpartum, but really it was like it's a, a postpartum was part of the alcoholism. Um, so I started doing counseling. I started going to AA off and on, like whenever it had these binges, I would show up at AA. Um, I had a really bad incident in midsummer where um, I was drunk with the kids in the car, and I got caught by my um, dad, and so he. Uh, started checking in on me regularly. So I started sending him my sober time. And so 2017, all of 2017, I'm taking steps to get sober and I'm still drinking. And so it's just kind of like, there's that, there's no like one moment in my career where it was like, all right, that was rock bottom. It's like rock bottom was hit. And then I kept drinking as I was trying to climb out. So I, and I think that people think like, oh, well, why wouldn't you do it the day you got the DUI or why wouldn't you, it's like, because like, those are my rock bottom moments, but it was like, I had to continue to climb to get past that. And in my climb, I continued to have parts where I was drinking and I, and it, so it doesn't have to be where like, you have this moment and you're like, that was a really bad moment. I have to have a worse moment before I'll quit. It's like, no, you can accept that that was a really bad moment and then start climbing from there and still be in your struggle. <laughs> You're a hammer going up. This. Um, <laughs> um, so I was that whole year I'm in, I'm in counseling. I am going in and out to AA. I'm going to, uh, I'm texting my dad, my sober time. The actual day that I got sober, I had got, I was drinking at a work lunch, which we were allowed to drink at this work lunch. Um, and I, got a little buzz and I didn't want the party to stop and I had no control to to just go back 
to work and let the buzz wear off and get back to work. No, I, I freaked out. I had horrible anxiety. I jumped in my car and told them I was running out to another part of the warehouse and I never came back. So now I have, um, people at work looking for me. They're concerned. They think something's wrong. I'm not answering my cell phone. I went to the gas station and bought more alcohol. And then I went to my house and I drove in the driveway and I, and I've shared the story, I think on almost every podcast and on my social media, but I drove in into the driveway, into the garage. And I thought, if I just like sat here with the car running and shut the garage and drank the rest of these beers, my kids would be so much better off without having to watch me battle this the rest of their lives. And that was a dark moment to think that, but it wasn't my darkest moment in, al- in my alcohol career, um, but it was just another, another like ladder to climb out, or like another step to my ladder to climb out. And it was just like the final step. It was the final straw that broke the camel's back. Or, um, so it was the kind of my final step that climbed me out of the hole. Um, and so I ended up getting sober after that. And I, um, continued to go to AA for, I think I'm mean, every day, it's 90 days. I like your school well, 60. I think I did 60 days. Um, and then I, what I did at my 90 days sober is I outed myself on social media mm-hmm. and I feel like that was a huge late weight lifted off of me because it was kind of like, I'm not having to continue to like lie and um, pretend like I'm just kind of this fun social drinker and occasionally, and I didn't, and I didn't go into like complete in depth of, of how bad it was. It was just like, I've chosen to be healthier. And so I'm, I'm not drinking anymore. I'm 90 days sober. Um, but then I had people kind of reach out to me about it and then I continued to share and I continued to share. And I think social media, um, for me has kind of been a, it's kind of my AA in a way, because it's kind of like you, you, in my small town, there might be people that don't drink, but it's like a small amount. And so to be able to connect with people worldwide that understand what you're going through is like, I mean, like us talking right now, you're in New Jersey, I'm in Washington and we get it. Like you would, you say stuff, I nod when I say stuff, you nod because we get it like, and not everybody gets it. So when you're not an alcoholic or you don't have, you haven't struggled with any addiction and you tell people the crazy shit you did, like your deep, dark secrets, they're just like, what's wrong with you? But you tell an alcoholic and they're like, yep, (laughs) like totally get it. Like the thinking, like, like we were saying before, like Mm -hmm. the, like all the thinking and the craziness of like trying to plan everything. Like, like Mm -hmm. I can totally identify with that. And, and so, yeah, and social media, I agree. There's like such a huge community of, of people who are out there helping each other. And it's, it's fantastic, you know, inspiring people. And I, you know, I can see that I've been reading how people get so inspired by your enthusiasm. You're so enthusiastic and just so great <laughs> with your kids. It's so cute. So yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, I interrupted you. So no, okay. That's yeah. that, but social media was kind of my, um, kind of a huge outlet for me and being able to share my journey, um, publicly has worked for me. I don't think that works for everybody. Um, but that has been helpful for me. I think that if it, I feel like if you aren't somebody that loves to share that publicly or on that that big of a platform, even by following people that are comfortable sharing, um, is helpful because there's a lot of people that I just follow just to get inspired by through sobriety. And so you don't have to necessarily share your journey to like, to get something out of social media from your journey. But, um, for, for me, it was just kind of like, that was like, I've used the analogy that like my kids' blanket and baseball bat and soccer ball are terrifying in the dark. Like you see them sitting there and they just look like, it looks like a monster. Like what's that in their closet? There's something in there. There's like, there's a monster in their closet. But once the light is shined on something, it's like, no, this isn't that scary. It's not that big of a deal. There's no reason to be afraid of it. And I think that that's kind of, me being outed, outing myself on social media was kind of like me shining the light on it. And then it was like, oh my gosh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I love that. I love that analogy. That's just so fantastic. Like, it's not so scary once you shine a light on it. 
and bring right. it out in the open. Oh, I love that. Oh, good. Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> Say more. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so that, that was the, so five, one of 2018 is when I got sober. So I've done a lot of work since then. Um, we, I didn't, we did get divorced after that. Um, we still co-parent really well. I still support him as a, their dad. We, we have a good relationship on that, um, side. So, um, I, uh, that's important for me. I, cause I'll, I'm single mom, I'm single ish, but I'm not a single mom. Like I, I, their dads are important. But um, I con did continue to counseling. I started working out heavily again, um, or consistently, not heavily. And but I'm, I'm like in the two years, just learning so much of about myself and about my journey, and just different perceptions of my journey. Like I like I might say that today this is how I feel about it, but in two years from now, it's like oh my gosh, now I totally can see that this is what caused me to drink, or this was a huge role in what I did or played a huge role in what I did. And so I, my opinions and perceptions might be changing through the, through this whole journey, but in it all, I'm like growing and I'm going forward and just leaps forward versus when I would take six steps forward and then five steps back and six steps forward and then two steps back. So it's just really fun to continue to move forward and learn and grow about who I am or what I do or um, how I do it or how people communicate. Like I, I, I almost in a way feel grateful and not in a way, I mean, I do, I feel grateful and I feel appreciative for my struggles because I feel like I've gotten an opportunity to understand myself more. And in that have learned how to understand other people more like alcoholic or not. Um, and so not everyone gets that opportunity because they weren't, aren't forced to. And I was forced to have to dig deeper into who I am and why I do what I do where other people, it's like what they do works for them. So they don't have to go any deeper and what I was doing didn't work. So it's like, I, I got an opportunity that others don't. That's beautiful. So it sounds like Gentry, you are so grateful for, you said you're grateful for the struggles that you had to go through because, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm hearing you say that it's given you the ability to be more compassionate with people and to understand um, other people and their struggles as well because of everything that you had to go through to get to where you're at now. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's just phenomenal. I hear that so much when I talk to people who, when they talk about their struggle, uh, their gr gratitude and sobriety, it's, they do talk about, the, they say, it sounds crazy, but I'm so grateful that I had to go through all this shit to, you know, mm -hmm. because... And, and um, it, it does sound crazy, but it's so true because you, you get to that other side and you're like, wow, I made it through. It's like, and for me, I'm like, wow, <laughs> I should have been dead like a thousand times over in my life. And I'm alive now. I get the second chance to live a life that I really want to live. That's like a little mm -hmm. bit more like honorable. And, you know, I feel better about myself when I go to bed at night and right. lived a better day than, you know before. So that's great. So you, so what would you say has been, you know, you just celebrated two years. So congratulations. That's Thanks. awesome. Awesome. Um, what would you say has been, um, the, the, like the biggest surprise for you in sobriety? Um, so, okay. Well, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, what I think has been the biggest surprise for me in sobriety is that I thought it had to be, oh, I don't, I wanted to, when you said the two years I got sidetracked with something else, so I might have to go into something else first. <laughs> That's okay. No, go, 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 go. Yeah, uh, okay. Got it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, my mind was like, oh, wait, I need to address that a little bit. Um, so you mentioned that I uh, just celebrated two years, and I still celebrate the two years at 5-1 of 2018. I don't know if you read any of my journey about 4-4 four, four of 2020. No. Or 2020? Um, yeah, 2020. So on 4-4 four, four of 2020, I was hanging out with people that were drinking, and um, I started jokingly taking little sips, like, oh, what does that taste like? I've never had that, like taking little sips off drinks. 
Um, and one of the people told me like, well, you can't, you're not sober if you are taking drinks off of these drinks. And um, somebody else on social media had told me that I, that same night, uh, I had t- taken a picture of me with an O'Doul's and they were like, nope, restart your clock. You can't drink O'Doul's. That's not allowed. And so um, I was irritated by that. So it's like, you don't get to tell me when to restart my clock for one. And for two, like O'Doul's are like, there's a very small amount of alcohol in them, but there's also a small amount of alcohol like in like mouthwash or whatever. So anyways, I got defensive about that. And then I was taking tips off these streaks. Well, then I was like, well, F, like if you guys think that I'm not sober, then I'm just going to drink. So then I took a shot of alcohol on 4-4-2020. And then I took another shot of alcohol. And I mean, with the sips and the couple shots, I was definitely intoxicated when I haven't drank for two years. Um, But it was a bad night. (laughs) I mean, after that, it kind of didn't go very well. Um, It was a poor lapse in judgment. Um, I was sick the entire next day just with anxiety and I and and hung over maybe and just just felt awful like I just felt awful for what had happened the night before but I have decided because it's my sober journey <laughs> that I am not going to restart my clock because of those few hours of poor drug judgment or a few hours of having like an alcoholic binge mindset because mm-hmm. I've binged on food since I've got sober. I've binged on, I've had pain pills when I was from a surgery that I took maybe when I didn't need pain, pain management yet. Um, I've had, uh, let's, what's the other one? Oh, exercise. I've over exercised. I've under ate. I've there's moments where I wasn't eating where I was because of my anxiety. So it's like, I've had moments in my sobriety that were a lot worse than that where I was giving into more of that binge mentality that that um anxiousness that like that checkout basically that checkout that definitely like when I binge on food it's a it's a checkout for me or um, binge on exercise it's a checkout for me but but nobody told me I had to restart my clock when I'm texting or like on my stories all day saying how I can't stop eating and I'm having these binge moments and I'm whatever like nobody felt that like that was an act of, of giving into my alcoholism or my binge thinking. But as soon as I take two shots, everybody wanted to tell me I had to restart my clock. It's like, I don't have that same sober streak, but from my sober journey, I started that five one, like I climbed out of that hole five one mm-hmm. and I didn't wake up Sunday morning and start drinking again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't continue the pattern. Like I made a poor decision in that moment. And I didn't, and I, and I describe it as like, I was, I'm on a journey and I left my house at five, one, I was not going back to that house that was burning at five, one, I was on a road. And there's been times even on my journey that I've had to take steps back and four, four, I got a flat tire. I made a poor decision. I had to get that tire fixed, but now I'm continuing on my journey. Like, I think that people think that once you've relapsed or once you've you've fallen back into a pattern that it's like all done. And, and I think that it doesn't have to be that, like, if you've been on a long journey, then don't throw in all the miles that you've already traveled just because of a few moments or a few hours. And, and that's what's something I, I, in that moment, in my learning, how I've explained how I like, I'd like, uh, how I've learned and my perception of things have changed. Like since that moment, it's like, I had planned that next morning, like, well, it's done now. I might as well just get up and start drinking again. Um, but I didn't because, because I had already, I had been breaking that habit for two years. Like, like just because you made a poor decision doesn't mean you have to go back to where you started. And I think in the sober community, sometimes we're so fixated on the, um, street that we also don't realize that the growth that's going along with the streak. Nice. So my streak, my alcohol streak, I've quit the last time I consumed alcohol was four, four of 2020, but my sobriety journey was five, one of 2018. Right. Well, you know, you're so honest and so, tra- so transparent. And that, that is so important. I feel for me, like honesty is so hard to do. Um, 
but it is freeing to be able to be honest about what has happened in your life and in that 4420 has become a part sounds like it's become a part of your sober journey like yeah exactly it's not that it's not important it's not like we have to ignore that it happened but I don't want to also downplay the work that I had put in before that oh yeah no yeah because I'm sure you've learned so much well that's that's amazing well you've got an incredible story and I I love your like what I guess what for the, the your followers on Instagram um I guess what what's something that you would say to somebody who reaches out to you really struggling and can't get like out of that hole that you spoke of, mm-hmm. what, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's in that position? The, I think for me, what I had to do is I had to stop trying and I had to actually start doing, because I think that when we're struggling, we're constantly saying like, I'm trying, I'm trying. And mm-hmm. I think that you can try like, all you want but when you say try you're giving yourself an excuse to fail because you're like because if I don't then you can at least feel good that you said you tried um so I think that you have to continue to take steps forward and I think you have to start saying like I'm going to do this you can't say like I'm trying to not have alcohol in the house no you need to not have alcohol in the house yeah like stop giving yourself that out or stop giving yourself the excuse right um so that was like, try as long as you have to, because you have to keep trying, but at some point you have to stop trying and you have to start doing. Yeah. That's a good point. And, um, it's a lot easier when you just kind of let go of that, like trying to control things, you know, and, yeah. and then just take action. So it sounds like that's what you're doing. That's fantastic. Well, you're, you're truly an inspiration and having four boys and, I mean, I'm, I have three boys myself. Well, they're not boys anymore. So um, I've been so grateful to be sober for them as they've grown up. So it's, it's a gift to our children to be um, sober for our children, especially mm-hmm. during, you know, during this time in our world. This crazy, I mean, this is, mm-hmm. I mean, Mother Earth is just completely being shook up. So right. um, it's, it's tough time. So drinking mm-hmm. for me to drink would just be an added problem. Right. Well, that was all exactly, my problems worse. That was four four of twenty twenty. It was there was there was a lot that was the COVID had just started. That we were only a couple of weeks in. I had lost my second job. There was a lot of stress, and it was kind of like, oh, let's go come up and play Monopoly and every and like relax. It's like that didn't relax me. So it was kind of like I wanted the to be buzzed like the rest of the group, you know. So I think a lot of people are struggling right now being home, and there's so much going on. But like you said, like if I would have continued on that pattern the next morning, then I, it just, it would be just a whole nother dynamic to the problems. It's like, it would not solve anything. Mm-mm. No, no. Yeah. I, um, well, the, I, I read somewhere that this, the alcohol sales have, have are like doubled, at least doubled <laughs> during this COVID time compared to last year at this time. And that says a lot, you know, it's just, yeah. A lot of people are using it as, as like you said earlier, as they're out or you're... Yeah, they're checkout. Checkout, yeah. yeah. And when you say checkout, what were you checking out from? I think that just my own anxiety and my own pressures I put on myself to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't care about being perfect when I was drinking. It was like, I didn't care if I was overweight at that time. I didn't care if my house was a mess when I was drinking, I didn't care. So it was just, it was just the pressures of, of life. Like I got to check out from when I was under the influence. And I think socially, socially, um, it's extremely acceptable to do that. I mean, the hashtag mommy needs wine and the hashtags like, like mom's wine too. And like, or whatever, you know, just like, there's so many, there's so many things pushing moms today to, to use alcohol as a checkout. Um, it's, it's kind of sad and it's clever marketing. I guess I'll give them that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but it's hard. It's, it's a matter of life and death for a lot of us. So yeah, we're the, and even the people that aren't alcoholics, it's just like, you're kind of, you're, I mean, I, and I don't have any 
I mean, people that can drink normally, it's fine. But just when things start to become socially acceptable, you don't even realize that, it, that, that they're unhealthy. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, just speaking of right now, like the, the racism that happens and the, the stereotypes that happen that we accept because they're subconsciously there placed in, by the media or placed by our, the way we're raised. And we not, we're not purposefully trying to be racist or whatever, but we come across that way because of subconsciously things we've been taught. So when you see advertisements teaching you that alcohol is acceptable in the morning or alcohol is acceptable when you're stressed out or, um, then it, it's, it starts to make you accept that as truth and it doesn't have to be. Now, and I, I'm really glad you brought that you're bringing up such great points here, um, Gentry, because I think, you know, for somebody to say, oh, I'm going to go out and get wasted tonight. You know, like, oh, I need it. I've been so stressed out today. They're like, oh, you deserve it, girl. You know, you know, it's tough. But if, if I were to say, oh, I've had such a stressful day, I'm going to get my jammies after I have a bath with my, you know, my Epsom salt bath. <laughs> yeah. And have a nice glass of tea to relax yeah. my... Yeah, they'll be like, then the, the, and I think it's, you know, I'm not sure what generations or if it's all generations, I'll speak to women. I don't know if a woman would be like, oh, they maybe think, oh, you're kind of a loser for doing that. Like, but me, like I'm in my mid forties. So I think, you know, it might be a little bit more acceptable for like, yeah, just take some downtime. But like, like, it's like more of a, like, you go girl, like go out and like get wrecked, whatever. Like, cause you've had a rough day. And it, I think when cause I've come out too. And so and on Facebook, I have a Facebook page now for my podcast. And I did that over COVID during the COVID period because of the, and I love that image. I really love that image you said about putting, shining a light on the truth, because when we shine a light on the truth and that gives people like you and me more power and more like in terms of, and more, um, I guess, freedom to be authentic in this world where we're up against that acceptable um using using that drug wine or alcohol you know while we raise our children and mm -hmm. and so we can now it's just like there's this huge movement that i'm so so proud to be a part of where we can say no, we choose sobriety and this is working mm -hmm. for us and this is why it's working for us. And we have clear mm -hmm. minds and we're like, you know, I feel healthier. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm taking care of myself better. I'm taking care of my kids better. I'm nicer to people. Like I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm thinking of others before myself. Like I never was like that. You know, like I was mm -hmm. always thinking about when am I going to get my next drink or what party am I going to go to? I'm going to mm -hmm. be not, you know, so I can drink with everyone. So so you brought up a lot of great, great points, Gentry, in terms of like what um, the socialization, I guess, of mm -hmm. and the stereotypes and the stigma stigmas surrounding, you know, the, the 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 culture of drinking for for moms, and especially you're in the younger generation. Your kids are a little bit younger. Like I see it all over the place, like splattered mm -hmm. all over Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like I try to ignore it, but um, it does pop yeah, up every so often. And, and, and we try to ignore it is another, I think that that's an important thing to point out though, because we are advertised to it. Even when we try to ignore it, I follow mostly social or mostly sober, um, uh, uh, pages or, or just my friends and family. And I still see those types of advertisements. Yeah. So people that are clicking on them and liking them and whatever I mean the, their algorithms are getting right. that in front of their face a lot more than we are right um and so it's it's difficult and it, wait, have you have you read um quit like a woman okay. I I've listened to it because I don't read but I listen to it but um is she in quit like a woman she talks about quitting as a woman in today's society and she was saying how like like if cocaine has is less addictive cocaine is has like it's not it does like alcohol is the most dangerous drug that we have but if you told your friends like oh my gosh it's had such a bad week i'm just gonna go like do some lines of coke and just kind of like go crazy and just have fun tonight people will be like what like no you can't do that but but people will because it's not socially acceptable and even marijuana like marijuana is legal um in in many states 
but because of the perception of it, if you were like, I am so stressed out and I've had such a bad week, I'm going to go smoke a couple bowls and eat some Cheetos and watch TV. People would be like, but you can't do that. Like, but you'd say you're going to go, like you're saying, you're going to like, I've had such a bad week. I'm going to go drink at the bar with my girlfriends. And it's like, yeah, do it. Like you deserve it. And that's because it's socially acceptable because we're advertised to that. It's socially acceptable. And, and I can't change all the advertisements, but I can <laughs> get the word out as much as I can that you don't have to give into that. Like it, you, you, once you in, in sobriety, I, I've kind of, learn to how much we're we're conditioned you know like just I mean I, because I was conditioned to facilitate my alcoholism I'm learning other things that I'm conditioned to do like like the racism like the um like the purchasing certain things the way that I like the algorithms on social media I mean we're constant the way people support Democrats or Republicans are being conditioned based on what they like on social media. You like a post, you're going to start seeing more posts by that party. And I mean, just the way that they have it set up. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know exactly as by that party, but just like they, yeah. those algorithms are trained to, to give you stuff that you like. Yeah. So we are creating a divide in our society by doing that because we're, just, we have people seeing different stuff. It's just, you just start to see so much more <laughs> or understand it. Or I don't know. It's just, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's a lie. It's like inundate, like we're inundated with information and it's like, it's, so that's why I'm like, turn it off. You know, like mm -hmm. <laughs> I got to turn it off and conversations like this is so great because I love to talk with another person who really uh, loves being sober and, and is seeing the benefits of being sober and they're doing healthy things. And, you know, I, I get the whole, like moving to something else, like the overeating, undereating. I get that. I was there. I did that. Like I've, j I've been sober eight years now. And I, last night, my husband's like, let's get some ice cream. And I'm like, if I have ice cream, I'm going to feel like sick tomorrow. Cause my stomach, like I can't, my stomach doesn't process dairy very well. So I'm like, I've got two interviews tomorrow and I really care about this podcast because I really want to get messages out there. I think these two people that I'm interviewing are going to send a really great me message out um, and join my podcast family. And I don't want to feel sick. And it, I'm like, wow, that was like the first time I made like, like I'm like, I'm always going to remember that. I said that in the car to my husband, like, no, I'm going to pass on the ice cream so that, but I, it's, oh, I know it's always going to be a struggle for me that like, oh, I really like oatmeal and I want to have a bowl of oatmeal cereal because, I'll, but again, I have like a sensitivity to oatmeal, <laughs> but, but I still eat it. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally understand that too. And it, and I feel like I've, I'm starting to get better at knowing that too. And I like just did sobriety, like, okay, these aren't going to process well for me where I, in a clear headed thought process, I'm better at not getting, giving into that stuff. I mean, I still do. But it's like, you learn like, okay, I'm craving this for a reason. Like, why am I craving this? Am I like trying to stress, check out? Am I stressed out? And not to say I still don't give into it, but I, I stop and think a little bit more before I just am like, let's do it. Yeah, that's great. So we could talk for another hour about like what's underneath the reasons why we drink, but we can do that for part two if you want. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, oh, no, no. No, this thing I'm really good at talking. No, this is great. And I'm so excited because I just have to say that like, this is the first time I've done the podcasting this way and I love it. Like, I think this is the way I'm going to do it forever. So people who want to be in my podcast, just, I guess we'll have, I mean, I won't force the issue, but I, I like it. I, I love, I'm such a people person and I just love to see people and their reactions and their mm -hmm. facial expressions and, and all that enthusiasm for, for being sober and, and all that. It's, um, it's great. So I just want to thank you, Gentry, for being so open and honest about your life with addiction and recovery and how your life is going and um, you're going to help so many people. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the interview. Yeah. Okay. Well, enjoy this, the nice warm day without humidity. Yes. No humidity. Going to do some yard work. Awesome. Um, if people, if you, if people, if any of your followers or listeners wanted to follow me, I 
try I talk about sobriety and stuff but I also like try to keep it lighthearted I do like a joke and like different stuff it's so um yeah, yeah. because awesome. it, because the it can, sobriety can be very dark so it's like I gotta throw my corny j- jokes a day in there to yeah. keep people <laughs> like laughing because laughter is super important to me too as much as I like love talking about the um the the dark parts of sobriety it's like I laugh so much harder and more today than I ever have so um, but you guys, they can follow me at Life with Gentry is, is my my page. So if you're struggling, that's what I, that's what I would do. Is even because you have to create a fake account because so, you like don't want your family or no, whatever. No, go create a fake account and just just start following people just for motivation and just to hear their stories and see if you relate. I mean, and people not- who are listening to like if there's, you know, this is a serious issue. Like that, you know, some people can can go on to Instagram and they can, that can be their source of, you know, inspiration, um, to get them started. Um, but some people are just so, so down. Like I was to the point where, you know, it was, it was really serious and I needed some serious help. Um, mm-hmm. so there are things like SAMHSA and I could put that in the show notes as well in terms right. of like, um, you know, mental health and, um, addic- addiction websites where you can get people 24 hours a day. Um, mm-hmm. so, but yeah, it's, it's no laughing matter, but it's, it's great when we can get to a place in sobriety where we can, we can laugh about yeah. how, you know, how we've changed and how we were and, and how much life is better. So it's awesome. So thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. You have a great day. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it. Mm